Howdy, everybody. This is Chris Edwards here with the Tyler County Booster. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but I thought it was necessary to kind of send something out to everybody. And, you know, we've been in the midst of this pandemic and there's been a lot of developments with it just in the last month. I have here a very special guest with me. This man wears a lot of hats here in Tyler County. And here he is in the capacity as emergency management coordinator. This is Ken Job. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Chris. Very good. Thanks for being here, Ken. Glad to be here. Now, Ken, I know that probably you haven't seen anything like this and probably never imagined that you would see anything like what's been going on. Kind of just give us an overview to start off with and where we're at as a county in terms of number of cases and, and what you're seeing as far as any kind of trends here or in regard to the virus. Well, our active count right now is 25 of 61 total positives we had since the beginning. We do have 36 that have been recovered and zero deaths at this time for our county residents. The one thing that's kind of really important to note, though, is we've pretty much tripled our numbers and close to quadrupled our numbers in about four weeks. That's a pretty staggering number. It's staggering and sobering, and it should be recently with the uh, mask mandate and the number, the spike in cases. I mean, on the daily basis, if you look nationally at the numbers, it's insane. So it should be a, a wake up call to a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't been to some. So let me kind of jump ahead a bit here and put some good news up front, rather potential good news anyway. So there's been a lot of news lately of a potential vaccine. With regard to this virus, it's been information overload from all corners of the globe, literally. But there's there's been several vaccines that have been tested and some encouraging news uh, recently this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know that you, of course, have more information about that than I would. Is this encouraging to you? Or yeah, anything? Uh, getting a vaccine is critically important. Every pharmaceutical company probably in the U.S. and maybe the world is trying to develop a vaccine. I think having one would certainly slow down communicability and things like that. If it gets here before the 1st of January, I'd be surprised, but that would be normal timing for developing a vaccine. Right. Normal timetable is what within, it's over a year, right, for eh, a vaccine? Nine months to a year typically is a vaccine development. And I know there's labs in Brazil, Great Britain, and I even saw on the news where Russia was trying to hack into one of the labs to distill the information. So, you know, you got all kinds of layers to this uh, right. intrigue going on. And I, I guess that when all of this is said and done, knock on wood, that it, that it will uh, uh, resolve sometime in the hopefully the near future. Um, there's bound to be several uh, big epic thriller films and Michael Crichton type novels written <laughs> about this because, man, truth is always stranger than fiction, you know? Yeah. Like I, I said before, uh, when we started, I, you probably never imagined you would live to see anything like this. Well, it's funny you say that. Pandemics have been around forever. Right. I mean, you can go back and read about pandemics that occurred. Of course, the last major pandemic was 1915 to 1918 flu. flu yeah. I was part of a group that about 15 years ago helped develop a pandemic flu plan with a, a grant from the government. And this plan actually went national as far as it was presented in Washington, D.C. And it's amazing how much even in 2006 when we finished, although it was a pandemic flu, this is much like the flu, probably not as bad overall when it's all said and done. Worse now is a novel or new virus. Mm -hmm. Those are always the scariest because we don't know what to expect. But when you're planning for a pandemic, whether it's the flu or COVID-19 or some other new novel virus that we don't know about, they've happened forever. We just have to keep our guard up. It's just been 100 years and right. we weren't ready right now. 
Ken, one thing that I've been thinking of lately is that, and this is almost kind of like some kind of silver lining in all this, is most of us are, and I'm going to get to this in a bit about the mask thing, but, you know, you go out now, if you do deign to go out, brave enough to, uh, whatever you need to do, whether it's to Walmart or the post office or whatever, and most people have been that you see out and about are, are good about the social distancing and wearing masks. And when I was a kid growing up, I used to read a lot of science fiction, and, and you know, sometimes in that you would see these kind of reports of, you know, these kind of dystopian societies in the future. And back in the day, you know, 2020 was a long way off, you know, that's that was an era that we're in now, you know, where a lot of sci-fi writers back in the day would project that we would have flying cars and robots doing all the work for us. Well, or in some of those stories was this very grim view that people would be walking around wearing masks or respirators or whatever because the, the quality of the air was too hard to breathe. And so here we are in 2020, and I guess what I'm getting at, the silver lining for me is, well, even though a pandemic is, I wouldn't say nothing to sneeze at because that's <laughs> not really, that's <laughs> a poor choice of words there, a poor little uh, syllogism, but it's nothing to take lightly, obviously, but the silver lining is at least our air quality isn't so heavily polluted that that's the reason why we're wearing masks right. and so forth. And I would agree with that. Other PPE. So I guess, you know, there's always some kind of silver lining or some kind of light in every situation. Sometimes you just got to look hard to find it. And I guess it depends on the person. So kind of working off what you were just talking about, you were talking about other pandemics. The other day when we were talking, you were showing me a waveform curve uh, illustration comparing flu trends when the, the flu season is into this, to the corona, novel coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic, to its uh, waveform illustration. Now, of course, the people listening to this, they don't have the benefit of having, a, I guess, visual aid. So can you kind of explain that a little bit, how that works, uh, without being able to show the waveform, obviously? Okay. Well, just as a reference, you heard the governor and many other people say flatten the curve. And yes. that's the first curve of a new season or a new outbreak. If you can lower that curve or flatten it, you reduce your health care demand. You don't minimize it, but you reduce your health care demand. So flattening that curve was very important. You have a kind of a big curve, a big hump, mm -hmm. and then a medium hump, and then a smaller hump. And that's kind of the way the normal flu curve works. Well, if you think about testing and positives we have going on right now, our first curve, which was kind of March, April, we flattened it. We did a good job. Uh, the second curve, though, has actually gone higher, and that's due to spreading of the virus in, in ways there's been understanding that there's been some mutations in the communicability right. of the disease. So we actually saw that second hump be a little higher than the first, which is not good news. You know, we you want each hump to be smaller. Oh, so sure. as it wanes, it comes back up, and then it'll go away for a while, three or four months, and then it comes back. And that's a normal, everyday, forever flu curve. So that's predictable. Those are things we can we can manage with the whole goal always being not overtaxing the healthcare community. Right. Agree. I mean, this has been very bad for hospitals um, because you've got some of the biggest hospitals in the world that are almost to capacity. And I think I, the other day, the mayor of, of Austin, Steve Adler, was saying that I think the, the big hospital there, that they will be at complete capacity in 12 days if if the trend continues. And, you know, it's odd to me that we're seeing the curve go higher than it was 
in the spring when we were attempting to flatten it at first because, you know, initially there was a lot of talk about, well, you know, the humidity and the hot weather will kill this virus. And there was actually legitimate science that, that seemed to corroborate that notion. But yet it's it's just the opposite. We're seeing the, the higher. Well, I think uh, part of that, and, and this is an article I read probably about 10 days ago, the communicability of this is part of what mutated. It's not a more severe illness on the body once you have it, but the actual molecule changed. Right. And for lack of a better term, sticks better when you inhale it. So instead of where it might not have stuck Mm -hmm. during the, the initial with this mutation, it's become more communicable. So you have easier spread. Right. So I think that's why we see more numbers now. Still, the severity of the of the disease itself, the disease course, is really probably unchanged since March or April, which is good news. We don't want it to mutate and be a more dangerous uh, illness. Absolutely. Another thing you had showed me the other day was kind of a drawing um, to illustrate the microbes or a molecule from before, say, March, versus now with the communicability increase, there was... More of the, uh, is it RNA? I think I so. I'm not a scientist, so. But <laughs> I'm not the, either. The, the proteins the and proteins, RNA on the yes. outside that make it adhere better, those numbers of those on the outside of the molecule are what increased. Right. There were far, far more of them. It was kind of like a, you have a, a voodoo doll of somebody you just might have a grudge against. A couple of pins, a few pins here, and then you got one over here of somebody that, that you uh, that you really don't care for at all. And uh, just a lot of pins sticking out of that bad boy. You know, like somebody came and cut off your uh, satellite or something. It's just, sticking pins all in. But um, anyways, with regard to testing, how many tests or about how many tests have been administered here in Tyler County um, um, up to date? I'm going to say probably around 800. And that's including some guard testing. That, and that's that is a true estimate. Some people are tested outside of the county. Mm-hmm. I may not know whether those numbers if they're tested in Hardin County or Beaumont or right. Angelina County. So I won't know of those tests per se because they just public health gets a result. Right. And I don't know of every negative. I know of the positives and then I know of those that have been positive who recovered. So Absolutely. And can you explain the difference between the, the PCR and the, the rapid result test, how that how that works? Yes. The PCR test is a test they're both done the same way. It's the swab through the nose, same swab. The PCR test is sent to a lab, and it, any number of labs do the test. And I don't know what PCR stands for. Where the rapid test is done in office okay. with a return time of 30 minutes to an hour. When it comes to reporting that information, the state does not report out, and I say state meaning public health, whether it be our local mm-hmm. or it be uh, Department of State Health Services, do not report out the rapids because of the way the results are reported to them. So where I feel, and I feel very confident, we've had rapid test positives in the county by phone calls to me, by messages I've seen, and by just direct talking to folks. I know we've had positive rapid tests in the county, but because the state doesn't report those to me or public health, that's who I get my numbers from. So if you see that disparity or if you know somebody who's tested positive, chances are you're right, 100%. But my numbers are public health driven. Right. And that's that's where I get my numbers. And, you know, same here. I mean, when we're reporting the numbers, we get them from you. And, you know, you're. it's odd to me, Ken, like 
and social media is is kind of an odd kettle of fish by its very nature. But you get people on there. I mean, and we'll get to some of the cherry pickers who who have politicized us here in a bit, and kind of what your thoughts on that are. But there's also a lot of people on there who just seem unwilling or unable to understand simple math, and who try to insinuate there's some kind of conspiracy because, oh, well, the numbers keep staying the same uh, is in regard to the recovered. But what they don't understand is like, look, you know, A, that the big number is since reporting started. That's the total number of confirmed cases since March, since the mm-hmm. first case, since patient zero. But you have to take and subtract the recovered cases from that to come up with the active cases. And the recovery time on this is, is it still the average is 14 days? Well, the, the recoveries, again, I'm not sure the processes public health uses to deem somebody recovered. I will say this. If person has no symptoms, it's a 14-day post-test. If they're symptomatic, I really don't know where they drop that day to call them recovered. Right. That's what they do. So, I'm just asking because the number 14 days gets bandied about so much in this, I guess, because the quarantine period is recommended for 14 days for most people. But, man, I tell you what, and I think I've shared this with you before, at the beginning of the year, well, actually at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, I had all the symptoms match up. And got the flu test, and it it was um didn't have the flu, but it was something. It was the virus from hell, I like to call it. And, you know, I would not be at all surprised if I had it. Which leads me to this inquiry. We're seeing now that, um and, and of course, you're much more knowledgeable about this than I am, but I, I've seen in the news and in, in different reports that you know, they were saying, well, December, November, it was, it was here. There were cases. But now I've, I've seen some reports saying as far back as October. What are your thoughts on that? And do you th- think there's a large number? of the population who already were infected and didn't even know it because reporting hadn't really started? I think there is a number. Definition of large might be different, but I think we October would be earlier than I've kind of heard. November, December. Right. And again, same thing, talking to some people who tested negative for flu and strep, had these symptoms. I believe that there's some people who had it without a doubt before it became a pandemic, but it was already here. I think that most assuredly probably happened. Yeah, I, I tell you what, man, I, after that finally cleared up, it was in January. It, I caught strep throat in a movie theater, like right after I had gotten well from the virus. And I'm telling you, man, strep throat was a walk in the park. Right. Okay. With regard to trends in age, have you been noticing, and I think at the national level, there's been a lot more young people who have been infected. What are some trends here in Tyler County, or is there a trend? Because it seems to be all over the place. I think like the last reported cases, there was a 58-year-old, a 60-something-year-old, and a 30-year-old. Right. Unfortunately, what I think is happening, and and I agree with you 100%, it can infect anybody, regardless of age, race, sex. It's a non-discriminatory illness. Right. So... I think what you see is a younger generation or younger group who historically it's been less severe disease, so they don't worry about it, but it still affects them. And it affects more than is the mortality rate as high as it would be with an 80 year old. No, it's not. But if you're 27 years old or 30 years old or 32 years old and you've been thinking for three months, well, I might get it, but I'm going to be okay. You could still get symptoms and you could still be admitted to the hospital and you could still be bad sick. Right. It's not strictly, but it, now some of the curves, or not some, but the curves that, that has been put out by CDC, and I wish I could see my hands as I, as I talk, but if you look at the age groups, the mortality rate's very, very low till you hit that 45 to 55 age, and then it starts to climb, and then it climbs very quickly up to the 85, 90 mm. uh, age. 
So part of the concern that I have is, okay, this 25-year-old may be asymptomatic, but if he takes it home to his grandparents, it could be bad. Oh, it could be very bad. bad. And, you know, I also heard someone saying, actually, an elected official here in town the other day, I was kind of bending her ear on some thoughts on this. And she said that, that one thing that she'd been noticing, had, had read lately, that there's probably going to be a spike in in elderly cases, the virus, because a lot of them are just getting tired of not being able to see their families and having to quarantine because of their age. And, you know, that's something I hadn't heard before that. But Well, that population, I would say for April and May and March, that population stayed at home. And then our numbers went down. Everything opened back up. Masks weren't a big deal. So everybody went out. Everybody. And I'm talking about young and old alike. So they all go out, except for a few of the elderly. But there's, again, we've seen that the stats say that this isn't as deadly as we thought at the beginning, which is a good thing. Oh, yeah. But we're seeing tons of hospitalizations because just the total number of people who have been infected. And again, it's going to affect the older generations more than it's going to affect the younger. So you have the ones that are younger have a headache, maybe fever for a day or two, they're fine. But before they realized they were sick, they went to grandparents and had dinner. That's the part of this that is, uh, as me as merchant management, is the scariest about. And, I mean, just the the virtue of of, of this, there's so many unknowns because it is the novel coronavirus, mm-hmm. COVID-19. So ever, and, and again, my hat goes out to any of you in healthcare, emergency management, immunology, uh, working on this because it's, it's like you've really got your work cut out for you. And I just, like I said, you know, we knew it was going to happen at some point, but we just didn't know when. And, right. and, uh, I just never thought I would live to see anything like this. I mean, it's it really is, it is insane, man. <laughs> like to go back to the example of, you know, sci-fi and fantasy. I mean, this almost does seem like something out of, you know, Robert Heinlein or something like that. I just, well, the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, that's more of a Bola based movie, yeah. but. It's how it happened. You know, that that was an interesting uh, time. You were working in, of course, in healthcare. You were uh, EMT paramedic then, right when the Ebola outbreak happened. But or were you working some with emergency management? I'm stuff? trying to. Well, the the last one, the one where we had the one in Dallas, I was working in healthcare. Yes. Okay. Can you kind of compare, I guess, the public response and the way that was handled versus this? I mean, I know that we're still in the midst of this, but what are your thoughts on that? As well, the, far as- the one thing about Ebola is it was it's pretty much a body fluid contact. There is some airborne traits to it, but it's more of a direct contact. So it's not as communicable, but it's way more deadly, if right. that makes sense. So had that disease, and let's go back to the movie, which is was an Ebola takeoff. If you remember, Dustin Hoffman screams in the building, it's gone airborne. Yes, yes. Because when it was direct contact, it's pretty preventable. Once it went airborne, it became more communicable within the building that they were in at that point. So that airborne mechanism, which we have with with, uh, COVID, Mm -hmm. that's the part that makes it the, the worrisome part. And again, the asymptomatic folks who are breathing, coughing, sneezing, they're not as communicable as someone sick, but they can still spread it. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember that that was, you know, a scary time, this last Ebola outbreak, but it, it just seems like a world removed from where we're at now with COVID. It, it just seems like a completely different, like a walk in the park almost, which I know it wasn't for a lot of people did lose their lives around the world, but it nothing like this. It's 
So that kind of leads a little bit into this next question, which I, you know, I don't want to really get too political with this in, in terms of assigning blame to response to any leaders or anything. But what are your thoughts on the response at the state level to this? I know Governor Abbott's been raked over the coals for the mask mandate. A lot of people are screaming, you know, socialist or, or fascist at him and, and so forth and just adamantly refusing, or at least that's the tenor on Facebook and some of those things. But but I mean, these these, you know, decisions didn't come lightly. I mean, a lot of professionals came to the floor to bring this. So, so what has been your uh, what is your take on this on the response at the state level? Well, I think the response at state level has been been appropriate. I think when this started and we went to lockdown before we knew what we know now, I think that was appropriate. We were seeing what was going on in Italy, and yes. it was bad. Elderly population, very condensed population in northern Italy, but we and we were seeing some very bad things happen. And I think when that's the picture you're looking at, you have to take drastic steps. I think the steps we took were prudent and appropriate. I think opening back up was prudent and appropriate, not knowing, I think, now that this thing had mutated and become more communicable. So we open back up. You have Labor Day. You have some of the stuff that went on in the bigger cities. When those went on, close contact. I mean, you had the perfect storm. So now you had a, a more communicable disease, mass gatherings of people. That's the perfect storm for spreading something like this. So, Absolutely. you know, w- when that happened, you made it through the first couple of weeks of, of June. And then you started seeing those numbers crime. And I think opening the economy and all that stuff, I think that was appropriate. And I think the way he had it planned out. But a holiday weekend Mm -hmm. and those things that went on in early June throughout the nation, not just here in Texas, but throughout the nation, were perfect storms for this to spread. So, again, no science behind that. But I just think that's a lot of what happened. I think the... The mask order, I think it's appropriate. The reason for the mask is protect you some, protect others a lot. Absolutely. And and I was going to ask you about the mask thing, too, is that you see, and I, I mean, this is not just common to our culture, but, you know, selfishness is a universal thing. I mean, but you see a, a lot of people who, you know, haven't really refused to wear a mask or take any of the prescribed or recommended protocol to help reduce the spread. And it, they seem to be the, I find this anyway, they're the people who are aren't really that concerned about others, generally speaking, not to paint not to paint it with too broad a brush, but what would you say to people as a public health official on the subject of masks? To the to those who let's just let, let me rephrase that. To those who either adamantly refuse or, or just don't see the purpose or value in the mask right now. What what how would you uh, try I to would, bring them around? It's to protect others. And I am a whole hard believer in personal rights. I am Dead set for personal rights. But electing to not wear one, and if you're asymptomatic, you can spread it to someone else. So that's the onus behind the mask is that right there. I would tell you that right now, Houston, the largest medical center in the world, as of a couple of days ago, and this number's probably changed some, had about 40 ICU beds available. That's the largest medical center in the world, 128 hospitals, had 40 ICU beds left. They are transferring patients all over the state of Texas out of the largest medical center in the world. Mm. That's a staggering number. Again, Um, staggering and sobering too. I just, that's the why. Uh, And again, it is a personal choice. You know, there are those, those things that fall under the order of when you're supposed to wear one or who's supposed to enforce the wearing of one. Businesses should enforce it. If you haven't heard yet, Walmart is now 
enforcing a mask if you go into Walmart. That's right. So if All you don't Walmarts. want to wear a mask in Walmart, you're not going into Walmart. That's and I understand right. that happened yesterday. So it's a nationwide thing, folks, from the top down. I mean, all the stores, um, you've got to wear a mask, mask up to go into Walmart and HEB too. Of course, that's more Texas and regional, but right. yeah. But yeah, you know, and, and kind of along those lines, when we first started seeing different protocol that were and then the shutdowns began. And again, you know, social media, the internet in general can be a wild and woolly place. And I think we were kind of talking about this the other night. You start seeing a lot of these conspiracy theories and things and, and people were taking, you know, all of our leaders from the governor and, and mayors of certain towns up, up to the president to task for any kind of edicts on this or any kind of pronouncements saying that, uh, the, you know, this was all the, the end times, the mark of the beast was upon us if there's a vaccine and the vaccine has a microchip in it and so forth. And I'm just kind of like, you know, where are people getting this information and just bored and have nothing better to do, I guess, and just kind of working off what, you know, some other conspiracy said. But where I'm going with this, I don't want to get too far off in the weeds. But folks, if you're listening, yeah, the internet can be a wild and woolly place. Proceed with caution. Uh, one of the things that I noticed a lot about people who would comment on, say, our Facebook page anytime that we would give an update on COVID-related concerns, especially with regard to masks was um, and, and other PPE was, well, you know, it's my right. It's my right this. It's my right that. And again, you know, I, I'm with you. You know, I'm a big believer in, in personal rights. But, you know, one thing a lot of people don't seem to bring up when they're hollering in their echo chamber is what about personal responsibility? What is it with Peter Parker and Spider-Man with a great power comes great responsibility? And I mean, that's a right. I find that to be a profound and true, you know? I, I don't disagree with that statement. And that, again, that's the goal. The goal is to, with the mask, and I'm specifically kind of talking about the mask, the goal is to mitigate the spread of COVID. It's not to stop anybody from doing anything else. It's not to, somebody's brought up, you know, being tracked. And and I think you were talking about Facebook, if I can expand on that a little bit, is, is I read some of the comments, and I don't read all of them, but I do read a lot of them, the comments on my post, you kind of have two ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You have that end you're talking about there, personal rights, violations, things like that. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have the, I guess, polar opposite of that. And, yes. and with neither one of those being, and, and again, we're going to get some opinion by Ken here, but the middle here is really kind of what's going on. We need to stop the spread. Okay, it's not as deadly as we thought before. So that brought it to the middle. It is a little more communicable or more communicable than it was before. That, again, brings it from the other side to the middle. So having that middle ground here, and I, I know it sounds like I'm riding a fence, and I guess I kind of am, but 50% of people hate what I post, 50% of the people like what I post. So and if I swapped sides in the post, I would be swapping who hates it and who likes right, it. So, right, right, uh, I, I told several people when this first started, this is a lose-lose for whoever's doing this because 50% of people hate it, 50% like it. You know, you kind of hope that it's a 10 and 10 on either end and the 80% in the middle are okay with it. And I kind of think that's what we see uh, with the Facebook things. But I, I agree with the personal responsibility. I think not giving it to other people. And I'm not talking about in Walmart. I'm talking about taking it home to your family to your parents, your grandparents, or your kids. Again, this is non-discriminatory. And sometimes, and I hope it doesn't happen in Tyler County, I'm afraid it will, but sometimes it takes that catastrophic event to maybe uh, open some eyes. And hope it doesn't go there, but statistics say it's going to go there at some point in time. You're absolutely right. It's just like a, you know backtracking to March when reporting began, and this was declared a pandemic, we were watching the numbers in neighboring counties. A case here in like Hardin County was up to three cases, Angelina County up to six, 
And we were still at zero and we were all just saying uh, as we're watching the numbers, it's just a matter of time. And it did happen. You know, that first case was confirmed. And but yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, you know, something it something bad will happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though you don't want it to. Well, Ken, I'm about to wrap things up here. Thank you so much again for coming in and joining in. My, My pleasure. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for the information. I think that the, hopefully everybody will will get something out of this discussion. And I'm going to close on this one question for you. Going back to March, I remember you had said that the only way to really, truly vanquish the virus would be if the country were to shut down, entirely shut down for eight weeks. And, you know, which we both know is impossible. Right. Well, here we are. You know, March, April, May, June, July. In July, you know, five months down the road, almost, you know, in the middle of July and seen another increase and in, in a larger uh, peak on the curve due to communicability, which you explain and everything. But past all that, hopefully, you know, looking into the future, even though I don't have a crystal ball here, what are your predictions? Be the you're, I know you're a realist. You're not going to be alarmist and you're not going to put any misinfo out there. But just in your own kind of predictions, what, what do you see? I see it getting worse before it gets better. They're saying now that maybe Texas is hitting their curve. I don't think the top of their curve. I don't think Tyler County's hit it there. We're, we've been behind the other counties as this has played out, mm-hmm. and our numbers were still behind the other counties. So I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yes. I think when winter time comes, and I say winter, let's say October, November, December-ish, right. I feel that that's going to be a time where we're going to spike again in numbers. People are going to go inside. They're going to turn the heaters on in their house, which if you look at the flu curve, that's a, when it starts every year. Oh, yeah. So I think... That's another time we can see a spike, and that would almost be expected. Dr. Fossey talked about the second wave coming in the fall, and that's the same. Again, this is a normal thing when you look at at curves and pandemics. So we can see it come back. The goal is each time it comes back, it comes back less until we can get a vaccine. So I think vaccine is going to be the ultimate thing we can do or some sort of treatment, which I haven't heard of any yet. So um, right now you're having to treat symptoms. You're not really treating the disease. Right. So until we have a way to treat the disease, not just the symptoms, whether that be some sort of medication or, and I mean, good, reliable medication, they're testing all kinds of things all the time or a vaccine. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but that's kind of my unofficial prediction. Yes, sir. Well, you heard it, folks. It most statistically speaking and by from the words of an expert, it will likely get worse before it gets better. For those of you listening, this is Ken Joe with me. He is the Tyler County Emergency Management Coordinator, and he also wears many other hats in the community. But right now, this is the one that's just he's got his work cut out for him and just night and day. It just never ends. For any of you out there interested in the county's emergency management page is on Facebook. You can like the page and receive updates as they come in. And I mean, he posts updates daily. There's a lot of great information on this page, so check it out, like it, follow it. And also, um, this podcast, you can ask questions. And I believe, Ken, will you be responding to questions? Or I'll come back and address the questions again. So he'll be addressing some questions that you might have. Um, We'll be able to share this to his page as well as for those of you on the Booster page as well. So, uh, So check it out, everybody. And by the way, for those of you listening, even though you can't see us, we're not exactly six feet apart. This table we're recording at doesn't allow for it, but we are masked up. I'm wearing a different mask than what I have been wearing, and this one's kind of, it keeps fogging my glasses up. Um, 
But uh, Ken's got on this really cool Star Wars mask. Uh, man, it's <laughs> Luke on it. And I think, is that Chewbacca on the other I side? So. Yeah, she on there. Princess Maybe Leia on the yeah. at the Death Star on it. So, and, and Darth Vader, of course. So, you know, there's a lot. If, if you're not crazy about the idea of wearing a mask, you can always, I mean, this has become a huge industry now. Born out of necessity, of course, but... There are masks for everything. I'm sure you could find a Superman mask, or I even saw one the other day that looked like shark teeth. It was like a shark's mouth with the teeth bared. So, uh, yeah. So there's some really cool masks out there. So, you know, folks, be good to yourselves and to one another. Mask up. If you're out in public, practice safe social distancing and wash your hands, practice good hygiene. And again, um, I'm Chris Edwards with the Tyler County Booster, and I want to thank you all for listening. And Ken, thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you, sir. Well, with that, um, take care, everybody.